Hello, and welcome to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is your one-stop shop for all things nutrition, fitness, and mindset. Our goal is to help you make fitness and nutrition a part of your life, not your whole life. We discuss a variety of topics, including faith, self-awareness, sustainability and consistency, training programs, grocery store navigation, and how to enjoy your favorite foods without guilt or remorse. There is a lot of noise out there in the world of health and fitness, so we're here to provide real, reliable, and practical answers and recommendations that will keep you moving forward on your journey. My wife Ashley and I are your hosts, and please do not hesitate to reach out on social media to say hello, ask questions, or comment on this week's episode. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is episode 100. Oh, my goodness. 100. And we have an awesome episode lined up for you guys. And we have a special guest, which we're incredibly excited to have on the show. It's so freaking cool that she was able to make time to come on and chat with us. And we're just incredibly excited to share the conversation. So, Jess, I don't like to steal anyone's thunder. So, I'm going to allow you a second to introduce who you are, what you do, why you do it, uh, to the listeners. And just so you know, we are recording. We are live. We're pulling it through something else, not Zoom. So it doesn't give you the little uh, recording in progress, that robot <laughs> voice. <laughs> I had to I had to just check, you know, because I've been on podcasts before and they've forgotten to record and we've had to do it again. So I'm just looking out for you. Derek and Ashley, thank you so much for having me on. I cannot believe this is the 100th episode. I want to just take a second to acknowledge both of you for that. That is a huge accomplishment. So many people, like myself included, want to start a podcast and they just never get around to it. And the fact that you not only started it, but have done 100 episodes is incredible. So congratulations to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, oh, man, a little bit about me. I'm Jess Glazer. I am a business coach, mentor, speaker, and philanthropist. My husband and I are currently living on the road full time, wrapping up one year that we've been living in a 40-foot motorhome, traveling in the country, working together. I have scaled my once cute side hustle to a multiple seven-figure business in just two years. We have a team of 12. We built a school in Ghana and our doors opened in January of 2021. So that is something that I'm most proud of. But all of that stuff aside, I am the most normal person. I dropped out of my doctorate program when I was in grad school for college. I then pivoted into fashion, lived on my brother's couch for a year in Manhattan, taught elementary school phys ed for eight years, and... Uh, yeah, I'm just the most normal person. I was a trainer for 18 years, put that, hung that hat up uh, at the beginning of 2020 and kind of have just gone with, gone with the flow, if you will. <laughs> love that. I love how you like emphasize the point of I'm just a normal human because <laughs> I think all of our listeners can appreciate that because these aren't coaches, these aren't trainers. These are just like your everyday individuals, the nine to five, like desk jockey type. So just looking to get a little bit healthier, a little bit fitter. So I think everyone can appreciate that. And uh, along those same lines, you mentioned that you're, well, I shouldn't say along the same lines, but you mentioned that you're living in an RV. Yeah. You've been doing that for, what'd you say? 11 months? It'll be a year, uh, this week, this weekend. Okay. This week, yeah. a year. So I have to ask a couple questions about that. One, <laughs> how many States have you visited? Ooh, I believe 27. We've visited 27. I think about 14 national parks and like dozens and dozens and dozens of smaller state parks and stuff. 
Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. 27 yeah. in a year. That's pretty good. We moved a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Okay, that on those same lines, what was the what's been the best part of the RV life experience? Mm. We call it the in between. So my husband Mike and I, we call it the in between. Oftentimes when we travel, we fly from like one city to another city and you might stick around somewhere near that particular city and then you fly home again. For us this year has been driving through the towns that we would never normally visit and see the people and meet the people and go to the restaurants and the stores that we just would never normally go to. And uh, we call it the in-between because it's been the in-between moments, in-between cities, in-between stops. That's actually been the most magical and special. Oh, I love that. It's like all those little things that you didn't expect. Yep, exactly. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I creeped on you and did a lot of research prior to this podcast because I feel like <laughs> I need to do my due diligence. So I thought for sure you were going to say what you and Mike call moments, right? Isn't yes. that a thing? Yeah. Yep. I thought that moments. was going to be the answer for sure. But see, I mean. It's kind of the same thing. So moments are what we call when you're having that overwhelming moment of just like, oh, oh my gosh, this is our life. When you have that gratitude and just that wash over you. And it got to a point after so many months where we just kept saying, like, this is one of those moments. This is one of those moments. Take a screenshot, a mental picture. And we just now call them moments. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure Ash is obsessed with that. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's been the worst part? The part maybe you didn't expect or that you thought, wow, this is way harder than I anticipated. (laughs) (laughs) Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi, 100%. Um, Running an online business, running a business digitally and having as many Wi-Fi issues as we have had has been really stressful and it might sound like a first world problem but at the end of the day that's that is where we are and we make our livelihood off of it and so it's really important for us to be in integrity with our clients and to have dropped calls or podcasts that skip out whatever it might be it's been really stressful to present ourselves and our business in that capacity we also run um we have verizon t-mobile as well as at&t so we have three service providers we have an extender in the rv and we have another wi-fi booster on the roof and we're doing about five or six hundred dollars a month just in data because the wi-fi is so poor and we're happy to pay it but it's just been something that we didn't really like think about ahead of time that's been a lot harder than we anticipated yeah yeah i think folks probably hear that and think holy shit yeah six hundred bucks a month and data and wi-fi is insane it's crazy and not to mention every single month we've either rented an airbnb a hotel or a co-working space for me for at least like three days to a week just so that I can get a lot of like heavy download upload stuff going on and so the cost of that as well so yeah well because everyone loves to promote like the digital nomad life right and like sure. post these pictures of them on their laptop with the mountains in the background yeah. like, that doesn't actually happen like that's yeah. few and far between <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah that's for awesome sure. well so incredible story and just where you're at now, but can you fill us in a little bit on your story from specifically like the last seven to eight years as you went from, you know, teaching to leaving that position to digital business evolution, which is your company now, just to give some context for the conversation. Yeah, man, seven or eight years ago, I'm like, I wasn't even the same person. Seven or eight years ago, I was competing in bodybuilding competitions. I was living in New Jersey, completely house poor. We lived in a townhouse that we bought living paycheck to paycheck working as a full-time elementary school teacher, teaching phys ed and health, working after school as a high school gymnastics coach at my old high school and working nights and weekends as a personal trainer just to make ends meet. So that's where I was then. Where were you uh, in New Jersey? Hus- 
I taught in Oakland. Okay. We lived over by like, are you familiar with Wyckoff Ridgewood, Wayne? A little bit. I used to live in Somerset, Jersey, which is like central uh, Jersey, yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Morristown, we're, all that stuff is around there. Yep. We were uh, Passaic and Bergen County is where we were. So that's, that's where I was. And I taught, like I said, for eight years. And the entire time that I taught, I always had my hands in something else, not because I wanted to build a business, not because I thought I, I could build a business. It was more to fill my own cup up. And so I would get home from school at 325. Mike got home from work at nine. He was commuting in and out of the city suit and tie that whole thing and uh from 325 to 9 i needed something to do to fill my time so what i started to do was just work on these little projects again did not grow up in a family of entrepreneurs in fact i was already very much a failure for dropping out of my doctorate program i come from a family of doctors lawyers and accountants and entrepreneurship was not a choice i didn't know what that word even was but in 2012 i started doing bodybuilding and my coach was in massachusetts so every month she would email me my workout plans and my macros and I paid her. And so I had this light bulb moment because at the time I had already been a trainer for over a decade. I had this light bulb moment of, wait, I could do this too. So I started reaching out to my friends who didn't live in New Jersey and said, you know how you always wanted me to be your trainer, but like we don't live near each other. Well, I can do that. I can email you workout programs and you can mail me checks in the mail because I had no way of collecting money online, truly. So after school, I'd come home and I'd type up programs and send them out to friends. And I started doing that. And then through bodybuilding actually was introduced to this world of sort of online entrepreneurship. And that led me into network marketing. And I, I played around in the network marketing space for about four years. Again, this was on the side of teaching, but that's where I really started to get a crash course in the fact that I was really bad at sales and marketing. <laughs> and I got to practice my skills in sales and marketing. And then I started to kind of play with it. And I started to create Facebook groups where I was creating communities for free. I was hosting eight-week programs totally for free. I was blogging. I started to build a website. And eventually in 2014, I hired my first business coach. So in 2014, I started to sell $79 12-week workout guides and just play with the industry. Again, this was always a side job. In October of 2016, I was driving to work listening to a podcast. I had my coffee in hand driving to work, listening to this podcast. And this man was interviewing this woman. She was a teacher and she made jewelry and sold it on Etsy. And I love to tell this story because it is the thing that changed my life. So she sold jewelry on Etsy for fun, but she really wanted to do that as her job because that was her passion. So he said, well, if you left your job and you gave yourself one year to make Etsy work, if it didn't work, what would be your worst case scenario? So she said, I'd probably just go back to teaching. I've been a teacher for a decade. I might have to go to a different district, but I'll just be a teacher again. And his response is what changed everything for me. So he said, okay, how does it feel to wake up every day and live in your worst case scenario? Oh my gosh. It was like a dagger just went through my heart. I pulled the car over on the highway. I was hysterical crying. I texted Mike. I said, I can't do this anymore. Now, let me be clear. My side hustle, as I say with air quotes, was making like $300 a month. I was not rolling in cash. I did not replace my income. I was nowhere near 10 K months or anything like that. It was a couple hundred bucks here and there. So I texted him. I said, I can't do this anymore. I need to leave. Teaching was not my worst case scenario. I had a great job. I was in an incredible district. I loved my kids. I was home at 325, but it was not my best case scenario. And so that night we started to play with numbers. What would it look like if I left? What am I going to do instead? And I committed to dropping my ego 
and doing whatever I needed to do to make ends meet, even if I thought I was better than, beyond, above. Because at this point, I was like 32 years old. I had multiple college degrees. I had a lot of years of experience in different fields. And so the thought initially of going back to being a floor trainer or working the front desk or being a waitress or a bartender, it was like, oh my gosh, how could I do that? That feels like I'm going backwards. And so what I did was I committed to leaving my ego at the door and saying yes to all of those opportunities and seeing them as stepping stones. I walked into my principal's office about a month later and I resigned. He thought I was crazy. He advised me not to do that. And um, that was my last year teaching. So in 2017, because at that, that point it was 2017, that was it. I ended teaching. We moved to New York City. I was working 14 hours a day at the gym and then another 10 hours on the computer. Um, and I was absolutely just grinding and hustling. And what happened was my cute little side hustle and online business for fitness exploded into a multiple six-figure business. And so then naturally, a lot of my trainer friends were asking me how I was making so much money. What was I doing online? Why am I on Zoom? What's Zoom? This was pre-pandemic. Not everybody was using Zoom. And um, so I just started teaching friends for free. And I just started showing some of my peers how to build landing pages and email lists and all of this stuff. And they started getting crazy results. And I, was, I had this light bulb moment yet again of, I think I should be charging for this. And so in November of 2018, I put out my first offer as a business mentor. And that is our signature core program and power, which you guys have gone through. Three years later, it's still here. <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And just, again, a truly incredible story. And the reason I asked you to share that is I would assume when you share that story to whoever you're speaking to, whether it's business uh like population or entrepreneurs or just your, your best friends, your, your friends of friends that they commend you for your bravery or the courage to quit your job or anything along those lines. Do you, do you really believe it had anything to do with bravery or courage or, you know, what, what made you take that leap aside from obviously hearing the podcast? Yeah. How can, how can other people take that leap? Do they need to be brave? Do they need to be courageous? Yeah. It's so you've either really done your homework or you're just really good at mind reading. Um, I don't believe I was brave at all. And I don't like saying that. So people will often commend me, like you said, oh, you're so brave. You're so courageous. You jumped and you just grew your wings on the way down. And that's not what I did at all. I wasn't brave. Um, if I was, I would have probably done it two years earlier. I was uncomfortable. I was unhappy. I was unfulfilled. That's, that's the truth of it. I was really, really un uncomfortable in my own life. And I felt like I was suffocating in my own life. And I felt like I was living in somebody else's story. Every day I would wake up and wonder, how did I get here? Who put me here? Well, it's great. And I'm grateful. Those emotions can live together. So I'm grateful. And I, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. And for me, being in an elementary school, I joke, but it's really true. Everything is very small. I don't know the last time you were there, but like the toilets are very short to the ground. The tables, the desks, everything is very small. The ceiling is very low. And figuratively and, and, you know, in real life, I just felt that the walls were caving in. And as I was getting older, I was like shrinking and getting smaller. Whereas my students, they were getting older and they were like leaving and graduating and doing amazing things and going to their next chapter of life. And I just felt that it was passing me by. So I don't think I was brave. I think I was wildly uncomfortable. Yeah, that's First of all, I think it's hilarious for how you, you use that analogy of like everything being small. I know. I've never thought about it like <laughs> Because that. I can remember the first time I ever went back to my elementary school, and that's exactly what I thought. Like yeah. the sink is up to your knee, and you're like, yeah. 
holy shit, it's actually made for little humans. Like this whole <laughs> yeah. building is made for little people. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, and also, yeah, I just really did my homework. I don't, I can't, <laughs> I can't read minds. I told you I creeped on you hard for this. I was ready. I was ready. That's awesome. Uh, so it really sounds like you got to this point, like you said, you, you weren't finding fulfillment. You really just reached a breaking point, if you want to use that term, and decided yeah. en enough was enough. At the time you left your teaching position, or as you were preparing to leave, did like faith or spirituality or whatever you believe in play a role in that? Did it help you overcome that fear to pull the trigger and take that leap? Or was it strictly just, okay, I can't do this anymore. The ceiling, the, like there's a slow ceiling. I feel as if the walls are caving in, et cetera. I think there was definitely, I think it definitely played a, a part. I think now it plays a much bigger part as I've connected deeper to it. So for me, it's I kind of connect with the universe, whatever it is for you. Like you said, trust, faith, surrender, spiritual, doesn't really matter. Um, I did grow up in a very conscious household. Those are conversations that we had a lot growing up. I overcame a 10-year battle with an eating disorder. And when I had checked myself into an inpatient program, I'm sorry, an outpatient program, this was, my gosh, probably 2000, 2001, I checked myself into an outpatient program. I really then was introduced to this concept of kind of like trust, yes, but also what we have, what we do have control over. And I started to learn that despite whatever I was going through, I had always been okay. I had always been okay. And I was currently okay. Even if I was sick, even if I was upset, even at whatever it was, I was okay. And to trust that I would always be okay. And for me, when I did let go, when I did surrender, when I did leave this job and I did commit to myself that I would do whatever it would take for me to, whether it's make ends meet or build the relationships or whatever, I had to just recognize and remember, or I got to recognize and remember that I was always okay. I was currently okay. And I would always be okay. Because I think there's a piece of the story that we all tell ourselves that when I leave my job, well, the worst case scenario is that what? I'm not going to have a home. I'm going to be homeless. I won't have shelter. I won't have food. I'm going to be broke. I'm going to go bankrupt. I'm going to have to file for bankruptcy. When you think about how long that would actually take, when you think about all of the things that would have to happen in between the decisions that you would have to make, or, or not make, it's really, it's a, it's a bit of time. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't quit your job and then all of a sudden lose everything for most people. And when I started to look at, it's not ideal for my husband and I in our thirties to move in with our parents, but like, could we, if we had to, yeah. You know, do we have siblings or friends that we could live with or stay on their couch or whatever that may be for a little while? Yes. We had a townhouse that we were completely house poor. Could we sell it? If we have to, yes. Could we sell the two cars and only have one? Yes, right? Like there's always a way. And so when I started to recognize some of that, both spiritually as well as looking ahead at just other mentors and how they were doing things. And again, this was 2016. I was telling you, I was listening to that podcast. I think I started listening to podcasts in 2014 when I hired my first business coach and reading a lot of these personal development and business books. And you start to hear people say like, you could sell everything in your closet. Go put your stuff on Craigslist, you know, put your stuff up on Poshmark, whatever this is, um, there's always a way. And so I think it was a combination of like masculine tactically, like I could do this and feminine spirituality of I, I have done it before. Yeah, I love that. I love that you're looking at both sides and have that dichotomy because you're right. And I've heard folks discuss that before too, right? If worst case scenario happened, most people 
will be okay. They're, like yes. you had mentioned, you're not going to lose everything overnight, even if you quit your job and start pursuing something else. And if that something else fails, like you had mentioned, it takes a really long time to lose everything you've worked for across decades of your life. And yeah. most people won't end up homeless, so to speak, right? Like you had said, right. you can move in with your parents. There's a lot of things that you would have to swallow your ego and your pride mm-hmm. and do them. But to get to that truly worst case scenario would take a lot. And so I love that. And then the second part is you had mentioned like the, the spirituality aspect of it, the universe or believing that you're called to do something gives you a lot of confidence and resiliency and determination to actually pursue whatever it is that you're trying to pursue versus if you're just putting all the weight on your shoulders, believing that it's all up to you, regardless of what your beliefs are outside of that, it's, that's a lot to carry. Yeah. And I didn't know what it was. Like I never, I didn't leave my job and set out to be a business mentor entrepreneur. That's not what I left for. I actually thought at the time I was going to be like the next Jillian Michaels. I mean, I was dead set on like making it in the fitness industry and being on the covers of magazines and whether that was ego or not, um, which it was, right? That's what it's very much driven by because I've been in and on magazines and nothing actually happens. There's no parade. You don't get paid. Like it's not, nothing really happens from it. It's really cool. Uh, But that's what I thought was going to happen. And I think along the way, I've always been open to just kind of I said earlier, going with the flow of like, oh, this is interesting. Now I'm doing this thing. Cool. Like I can understand now my, one of my favorite quotes I always share is Steve Jobs. You can't connect the dots looking forwards. You can only connect them looking backwards and you have to trust that they'll appear. And so when we look at these moments in our life, these, these challenges, these wins, these pivots, and you look back now, I'm like, of course I went to fashion school. Of course I lived on my brother's couch. Like, duh, it makes total sense that I went to school for exercise physiology and then I was a teacher for eight years and these things all play a part now because I can look at my toolbox and understand where I got all of my tools from and so kind of like confidence right layer after layer time after time you build it over like muscles and so now it's this muscle that I've built over time where I'm like it doesn't matter I don't need to know what's gonna happen like I'm cool with it we're just gonna go yeah (laughs) yeah that's awesome and it ties into a lot of what we talk a lot about because we're pretty open with our faith. And again, it doesn't matter what you believe in because this concept, like you had just mentioned, can be applied regardless mm-hmm. is you might think you're called to something or you might be like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen, but I know I have to do this. And then if you're pursuing that passion or that thing and it's meant to happen, it might happen in a way you never expected, but it turns out to be 10 times better better. than anything you could have imagined, right? Like I'm sure you would have never, if you could go back and ask 2016 Jess, hey, do you think that we can take this business and make it multiple seven figures and I'll have a whole team? You would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I'm just trying to get on the biggest loser next season. Like I'm trying to be the new celebrity trainer. (laughs) Literally. It's so true. I love the mantra. It's this or something better. Yeah. This or something better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she's going to write that on the wall after yeah. we're, we get off this call, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, now, as you transitioned into the, that new chapter, did how often, or um, I don't even want to say did you, because I'm sure you did, but how often, and just based on the calls we had in Empower, did you find yourself questioning if you made the right decision? Uh, if you, did you have that sense of imposter syndrome? You know, should you go back mm. to what you were doing before? Like when those doubts start to creep in? Yeah. I don't know that I've ever considered if I've made the right decision because I'm very much the believer of like this is this is the decision so like this is where I am the path is the path be here now 
and I also, what I said before about like kind of the stepping stones as I see them with Steve Jobs, it's like, I'm just here now for, for whatever reason. So I've never actually doubted it. There have definitely been moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, having summers off was so much easier. Like, cause I work seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Like I work a lot and I, and I don't pretend that I don't, I don't claim to be anything that I'm not. I've always said it's been a lot of hard work for me. I, I don't shame the hustle or the, gr the grind at all. But there definitely have been moments where, yeah, it was easier when I could leave work at work and come home and clock out and not have to think about it for sure. And entrepreneurship is not that. In terms of imposter syndrome, of course, it comes up all the time. It still comes up and it doesn't go away. I think um, something that I'd love to reframe in the, in the coaching industry, in the information industry, in social media, you know, number one, we need to talk about money more. I think it's ridiculous that it's taboo and I'm unapologetic about the wealth that I want to create. Number two is we got to stop talking about imposter syndrome the way that we talk about it. Because when we call it, and I'm not calling you out, all of us, when we call it imposter syndrome, it now sounds that we have like we have something wrong with us. There's You have an ailment, a disease. There's, oh my gosh, you, she's got imposter syndrome? Is it contagious? Right? <laughs> Versus what's actually happening is you feel like an imposter. It's, it's a feeling. It's not a syndrome. There's nothing wrong with you. You feel like an imposter. The reason you feel like an imposter is because you haven't done it before. It's new. It's out of your comfort zone. Or you feel like an imposter because you're comparing yourself to somebody else. You're comparing your journey to somebody else's journey. You feel like an imposter because you don't have evidence in your life that it's worked or it's happened or you can have it. And so the really cool thing about evidence is that we can borrow it. So before I made my first million, I did believe that I would become a millionaire. Now to your point before, it's kind of this or something better. You don't know how it's going to happen. I thought for sure it was going to be network marketing. I used to walk around the school and tell all the teachers that I was going to be a, a network marketing millionaire and they would laugh in my face. <laughs> right. That's and now here I am multi-million, but none of it came from network marketing but maybe it all came from network marketing because that's where I learned the skills of cold calling and sales and marketing. So who's to say, right? But when you look at this feeling and we talk about evidence and belief, I didn't make a million dollars, but I believed that I did because I borrowed the evidence that other people around me did. So when I saw that someone else in my network marketing company made a million dollars, I said, okay, I haven't done it yet, but he did or she did, so I know it's possible. So I borrowed that belief, eliminating how I felt as an imposter. So I still feel like imposter. It comes up all the time. Um, and I just kind of check myself and go back to the belief and the evidence and, you know, try not to compare and mute people on social media and not consume as much. But yeah, it happens all the time. Like yeah, I have I a them. team. What, what is this? so stupid. <laughs> I have a team. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm sure it's insane. And yeah. it's one of those things where I love that you tied in comparison to that, because I think that probably is one of the, at least from our personal experience, one of the biggest sources of that. If you do yeah. start to feel that you're an imposter, you probably are consuming more than you're creating. And of course, like we're just all prone to it, right? We're going to look yeah. at someone else's achievements and think, why didn't it happen that fast for me? Or why can't I do X, Y, and Z? And but it is, it's all individual. It's all relative. You know, this, yeah. this journey that took 16 months for someone could take 32 for you, or it could take 10 years and not one is better than the other. Obviously everyone wants it fast because we live in an instant gratification like society, but regardless of how long it takes you to get there, if it took you 10 years, when you finally get there and look back, you're not going to be like, 
well, I hated the fact that it took me 10 years because you just achieved a lifetime goal or you just made X amount of money versus if you did it in 16 months. And then you're just going to keep moving the destination anyway. You're going to keep moving the finish line regardless of how long it takes you. Yeah, which is funny because I'm all for goals. I love goal setting. I love squashing goals. But then there's that art of detachment too because yes, we're constantly moving the finish line and like newsflash not to be morbid. The only way you actually get to the finish line is when you're when you're done, like when we're not here anymore. So what's the rush? What's the rush? Like you're not going to actually finish anything. The my current mentor James says the the doing is the destination. Like this is it. When they say enjoy the journey, like this is it. So yes, have goals and constantly be moving the finish line and grow and expand, but also like this is it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which is, is hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, I love that he. I mean, because we say the same thing. We just steal Eric Thomas's line and just say it exactly how he did, right? Like, love the process more than the prize. It's yeah. the same concept. Like, the do it. How did you just phrase that? I can't even repeat it. The doing is the destination. The doing is a destination, right? It's the same yeah. concept. It's learning that, like, this is, live in this moment. Appreciate it. Appreciate everything you're going through, everything that you're able to achieve. Now, that said, how we were just talking, it takes different times for everyone. It's all relative. What do you think or what do you believe made you so quote unquote successful to have that accelerated path from leaving your teacher teaching position to creating this million dollar business in what was it like 16 months or something? You know, yeah, where, yeah. What gave you that ability? <laughs> uh, all the years that I was doing it before the sexy story that I left my teaching job and made multiple millions in three years, you know, because when I said before, right, like the first time I was emailing people their workouts and they were snail mailing me checks, that was 2012, which is five years before I quit my teaching job. Five years of making mistakes, five years of learning and going to events and reading books and listening to podcasts and putting out courses that nobody bought and blogging every single week. And my mom is the only person who read them, you know, and you layer that five years onto those other. Now we're coming up on four years. Is it four? Yeah. We're coming up on four years. So that right there is nine. So it's not sexy. It was not overnight. It's been almost a decade. And then you can pepper in all the other stuff of like before that. Right. And like my college, my multiple college degrees and experience being a trainer and all these different things. So I think it's, um, it's unfortunate that the story that gets told is the one that's the sexiest. It's our, it's our highlight reel. I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of it. Cause the fact of the matter is yes, the day that I left my teaching job to date within those four years, we've done some really incredible things, but it's been a lifetime of lessons and challenges and mentors and pivots. Yeah. Like you said, looking back, all those things accumulated and added up to, and gave you the knowledge, abilities, experience you needed to get to this point. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I I think it's becoming more common now in the conversation to acknowledge the fact that most individuals, there's no such thing as an overnight success, right? They're pouring years and years of their life into this. And I think that occurs across all industries, but with Instagram specifically, right? You get on there, you see someone with 10,000 followers and they're making X amount of dollars or you think they are. Mm-hmm. And... You think, well, why I've been doing this for six months. Why why don't why have why don't I have ten thousand followers? And it's like <laughs> they've been doing Instagram since two thousand and twelve. Like the day <laughs> it came out, they created an Instagram account. So of course they are ahead of the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's insane that to to possibly think like you said, the story is super sexy, super incredible, but it all the work you put in before doesn't get any acknowledgement. Yeah. Which needs to. I appreciate you for even bringing it up. I think there was a short time in my 
career as a full-time entrepreneur where I was embarrassed by how long, how quote unquote, how long it's taken because there is so much flash. There are so many entrepreneurs and business coaches and stuff or coaches in general that are having this wild success very, very fast. And for me, when I think back on my journey, it, it has taken a lot of years and I did a lot of things before I made my first million. And so I was almost embarrassed by that and I didn't want to share it because it made me feel less than because it was like, why would they work with me if they could work with this coach who did it in 12 months and it took me four years or whatever. Um, now I'm more proud of that than, than before. And I think it's an integrity to share that. And I think it's real to share that. And I think it's a dangerous place on social media sometimes. It's, it's a weapon and a tool, right? And I think sometimes it can be a really dangerous place where it is the highlight reel and people aren't fully truthful and um, it's unfortunate. So I, we at Digital Business Evolution always you know, integrity is our number one. And we always ask ourselves that question when we're putting out content, putting out a program, launching something. It's, you know, how do we stay in integrity and what's the truth here and what's the, the meaning behind all of it? So I just appreciate you for even bringing it up. Yeah, of course. And I, getting in, I think a tangent off that, that completely aligns with it is by being vulnerable and opening yourself up and, and showing the fact that it took much longer than people imagine just based on what they see on social media that also has to play a role in managing like your ego, right? If all you put out there is, Hey, I did a million in 16 months and you just preach that story. Then you start to believe that was the main tagline of the story or that yeah. was the main plot of the, the movie, so to speak, that, that would inflate ego drastically. And regardless of how humble anybody is, we all have an ego and we all have to play this game of, of managing it. How have you been able to manage it over you know, all of these years, especially in recent years, as you continue to gain momentum, how do you keep that in check? Mm. I think number one is the people in my life, the people I surround myself with, you know, whether it's keeping you in check or humble or uh, grounded, I think it's really important. My childhood best friend is still my childhood best friend. And, you know, I speak to my parents every single Sunday, we FaceTime, we don't miss it. So that type of stuff, Mike, the team that we have, our team keeps us grounded. Our team is, is a great reminder. I think the clients too, you guys have been a part of Empower, but we really have, I like to think, built a family. And so years later, months later, clients will graduate and they'll text me and they'll let me know what's going on in their life and they'll update me and just kind of coming back to the, the root of why we started everything and Empower itself. We have many different programs, but that's our signature one. It started as a purely voluntary fun thing with friends and I was just helping them and so when we bring it back to that impact uh, rather than anything else like income or followers or anything like that it always kind of comes back to center you um, and another thing one of my longtime mentors and dear friends who I, I don't think I've ever been on a podcast and not shouted him out but Chris Harder and his wife Lori they've been in my life for about seven years now and he has a quote that he says and he says ego is your biggest overhead and the reason that I committed when I left teaching in 2017, when I committed in October of 2016 to removing my ego was because Chris and I sat down and had a conversation of what would it look like if I left my job and how crazy stupid of an idea is it and what is it going to require me to do? And he was the one who basically said, you know, ego is the thing that's holding you back because you think, I love you, and you think that you're better than a job that you might need to go take. You think you're, you know, you've worked too hard at XYZ, so you shouldn't have to do ABC. And how long are you going to let that hold you back? And it was a beautiful reminder that the, the first real time I asked for help in my adult life was outpatient therapy, and that saved my life. 
And so it was like, oh, there's that evidence. There's that belief that if I ask for help, I'm not weak, but rather I'm really strong. And I've now become addicted to the process of asking for help. I always have a mentor. I have two right now that I, I invest in and um, I never don't have a coach. And I, uh, I've just worked really hard. I think also at understanding that ego is not bad. I think ego gets a bad rap. It's just part of who we are. And when people talk about your shadow side, we think that our shadows are something that we can run away from. But if you've ever played the game Shadow Tag, which like shout out to being an elementary school teacher, if you ever played the game Shadow Tag, it doesn't matter what direction you turn in, your shadow is still there. You just might not see it because you're not facing the right way. And so the question goes, if you were to turn off the lights, do you still have a shadow? yeah you do you just can't see it right it's kind of like if a tree falls with no one around do you still does it make a noise of course it does so your shadow is still there regardless of if you see it or not and when we talk about the negative side of ego that's very often correlated with our shadow like it's it's there so how can you learn to love it and live with it and that's something that the last two years have been really uh, a journey of mine and i love my little ego i love all the versions of jess and it's not always the highest version and of me it's uh sometimes it's the child version of me who wants to throw a tantrum or the one who's comparing herself to other people or not feeling good enough and that's okay they're all different aspects within me yeah i love that you brought up that at the end of that it's not we have this negative connotation around it because even as i wrote the question and was going to ask you the question i was thinking do i need to preface this with like i don't think she's egotistical <laughs> or you know because it does immediately just when that word rolls off your tongue you think negative there's negative thoughts surrounding it but like you yeah. said it's not necessarily negative it's just another another side to us so yeah. i can definitely appreciate that there um and then what I, I was gonna say something else i think i was gonna make fun of you for your shadow games oh do it in, in elementary <laughs> yeah, school yeah. but i don't have anything clever so we're just gonna move <laughs> past it <laughs> uh well I'll... you'd be really easy to tag because you're so tall so like you're you're screwed i'm not as tall your as you think i'm only i'm only 5'11 taller than me but, well yeah true and in elementary school who knows who knows i mean you yeah. probably lost every time if you were out there playing with them uh but anyway so with moving on from ego you've been doing this for a while now and i, I don't want to say recently but in in the past few years i would say you've gained a lot of momentum you guys are are crushing it according to everything that we see right and that we've been a part of so that begs the question what what drives you? What's keeping you going? What's your, you know, if you want to use the term, what's your why? What is the mm. force that's keeping you moving forward? Yeah. I can definitely talk about my why. <clears throat> um, I do like to start with a disclaimer. I think some people are just wired, not differently. I'm not saying I'm special. I'm wired to be, I like working. I'm a workhorse. I've always been a super high achiever to the point that I drove myself into an eating disorder, very much a recovering perfectionist, recovering control freak, uh, highly competitive gymna gymnast at a very young age, traveling the country. I mean, I lived in France when I was 12 doing like an exchange program for gymnastics. So it's in me, it's in me. I think there's definitely like nature and nurture and things to consider, but sometimes people are looking for like, what book do I need to read? I can tell you about all my favorite books and, and ones that are really great, but I will also just say like, it's just, it is within me. Um, very driven, very, very hungry, and extremely motivated, hence bodybuilding competitions, like vegan for 18 years. Like I just, I like structure. I'm very, um, yeah, I just, it's in me. So I, I just want to start with that disclaimer. 
do I think it can be taught and learned? Absolutely. I think you can create habits over time. I think that you can bring things into your life that you maybe aren't innately uh, good at or drawn to. But even when people ask me about my morning routine, like I pop up out of bed at five o'clock with a smile on my face. Like I am just a morning person. Some people aren't. I don't think you have to be a morning person to be successful. I do think that most books that you read about the millionaire morning, they're telling you to get up at five, but some people hate getting up at five. So it doesn't feel good. So again, those things for me just kind of are my natural. My why, ooh, this has changed so much over the years as has my definition of success. That's changed a lot over the years as well. My why currently is um, twofold. Internally, it's freedom. And it's not just freedom, uh, like financial freedom or career freedom, location freedom, which are all great things and great drivers and very fortunate that we've created all that freedom, but it's freedom from self. The freedom from the mind, freedom from the control, freedom from the, the comparison and the procrastination and all these different things. And it's just really being able to be present within myself and my body. And this year was a, quite a challenge of being present without a home. I mean, we have a home, we live on it and it's got wheels, but felt very strange not having that anchoring and that grounding, uh, which was a story I had told myself for a really long time. If I don't have the routine and I don't have the office, then I can't be successful. So it was a really great challenge for me this year to uh, not have that be the case. So my, my why really is that freedom to freedom within, but then also freedom to create, of course, whatever we want to create, live where we want to live, make the money, no ceiling, no cap, all of that. Be able to help our families. It's the best feeling in the world. I wrote a check last year and helped my dad retire at 72 years old and just like handed it over. And it's just literally the best feeling. Our purpose, our company mission, our, our business purpose is all impact. Everything is threaded through impact. So when I left teaching, not only did I commit to dropping the ego, I committed to always being involved in education, whatever capacity that was me taking the train from New York back to New Jersey to visit my kiddos at school present to their Girl Scout troops after school, volunteer my time and help out with soccer games years after I was teaching there. Um, always just committed to being involved. When we honeymooned, we honeymooned in Africa and we fell in love with Kenya. And the third part of it was when I was working as a trainer, the universe gifted me all within about two weeks of each other, this beautiful sign. And this beautiful sign was to get aligned with this particular charity, which we have, which I know you guys know about. And so my client at the time brought a book in for no reason other than he thought I'd be interested in reading it. It was called A Promise of a Pencil by Adam Braun, who is the founder of Pencils of Promise, a nonprofit organization. Not but a week later, a couple of my mentors on Instagram were in Guatemala building a school with Pencils of Promise. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so weird. Like I'm reading this book. And the third thing that happened, and this was all within the same month, I went to an event, shout out to Lewis Howes, love him, went to his event every year it was on. And we go out to dinner afterwards and we're sitting at a table with just a bunch of random strangers, like friend of a friend of a friend. And this man sitting next to me, we start chit-chatting. What do you do? What do you do? And at the time, now this was before I had quit teaching, I was running this other little company I had started called Fit Trips, which were monthly women's only fitness-based field trips. And we were doing these in New York City. And every month we would donate to a charity. And every month I'd let the women in the group pick their charity. And so we donate, you know, hundred bucks, $400, something like that. My mentor at the time said, wouldn't it be cool if you picked one charity and you were able to go much deeper than you are wide? I said, yeah, I just don't know which one. Now, remember, like I'd just gotten the book. I watched my mentors all go on this mission trip and I'm starting to think, okay, maybe Pencils of Promise, it's education, it's Africa. This is starting to feel really aligned. 
all right, universe, give me one more sign because sometimes the signs aren't signy, signy enough, right? So we're at dinner with this guy, we're chit-chatting. Oh, this company, this thing that I do for fun, we give to charity, yada, yada, but I think I'm going to pick one. He said, do you know which one? I said, I've been thinking about this charity called Pencils of Promise. Have you heard of it? And he cracked open into this huge smile. He said, I'm on their board. Yeah. I have chills. I could cry. <laughs> I'll be honest. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. I'm on their board. Do you want me to connect you to the CEO? I said, yeah, that night right there at dinner, he connected me to the CEO via email. Do you know who that man was? The one and only Jim Carter, our tech coach and empower. Oh, <laughs> I wish we were recording the Literally. video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My eyes have tears in yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. One of the most incredible humans that I know. Uh, shout out to Jim. Just the most giving person I've ever met. But yeah, that's how we got, uh, that's how we initially got started with Pencils of Promise, which at that point I, I said, okay, my five year is my, uh, my stretch goal. My 10 year is more of a safe goal between five and 10 years from today. I want to build a school in Ghana. And just about a year and a half after us opening our, our internal organization with Pencils of Promise, we got the knock and they told us that we were going to be building a school. We, we broke ground July of 2020 and our doors opened January of 2021. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, like I said, I did my research, so I knew where <laughs> yes. you were going with that, but Ash had no idea. So seeing her reaction oh, to yeah. hearing it the oh first time gosh. is amazing. That's, yeah. That's incredible. So our, our wise impact, our wise impact. Yeah, that's, 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 that's yeah. incredible. Uh, yeah. So amazing what you're able to do there and love the, the dichotomy of having the why as impact for the business and then your personal being freedom. And I think that's something that, we've talked about because we each have a different why for the business, which makes mm. us a great team because I'm doing it more towards one specific reason. And that's to essentially freedom. Like you said, freedom for us to create the lifestyle that we want to be able to do all of these things and pursue all these things and still have impact of course. But Ash hers is almost flipped, right? Mm. She is much more the impact first and then everything else will follow. And that allows us to have a great balance of, when yeah. we're making decisions, what is this actually doing? Like, what is the outcome of the situation? So um, I love, that. love that. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about gets into Pencils of Promise. And, and you had mentioned writing a check for your dad to help him retire. All of this generosity that you've shared within Empower and then just here on the call, where does all that stem from? You know, when, when you were growing up, was your family very generous? Like, did your parents provide for you in ways that you were thinking, okay, this is how it's done. This is the 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 role that I want to pursue or how did that come about? My parents have definitely played a huge, huge part um, in, in everything and, and who I am. We were never like super wealthy, rich, but we were always very comfortable. My parents always figured it out. So they didn't get new clothing for themselves or like have fancy cars, but we would take really cool vacations as a family each year. Um, growing up, my dad always, he just was always writing checks and doing little donations to whatever, whoever came knocking on the door, they always bought Girl Scout cookies. Like it just, they did always give in that way, tipping, you know, speaking, even if it wasn't money, my mom still, oh my gosh, my mom could tell you like the, every clerk at the grocery store, what their nieces and nephews are doing and where they're going to college and what their dog's name is. Like my mom just builds relationships with every single person that she comes across in her life. And she just always taught us growing up that, every single person is equal where why shouldn't we have a conversation with this person who is doing this particular job that we might think is less than your father or your aunt or your uncle or something like that. And so they just bred that into us at a very young age. And, um, 
growing up, I think I just saw the the ripple of, again, I grew up in a bit of a conscious household. So karma was something we talked about and the secret and chicken soup for the teenage soul was like a Hanukkah gift for me every year and that type of stuff where the very much what goes around comes around type of thing, um, the golden rule, right? So I think for me, I was very fortunate to grow up in a house like that. And as I got older and I started choosing my mentors and, and choosing who I follow and what I consume, I started to kind of take on this concept of give before you're ready, kind of like invest before you're ready. And so if, you know, money makes you more of what you are. So if you're, if you tell yourself when I make six figures, then I'll start to donate, you're kind of missing the point. And will you, I don't know. So for me, it was just like right off the bat, even before I started the business, it was, it was always, I don't know, it just always has been impact first. I mean, I was a coach, I was a teacher, I was a trainer. Um, and then I was an online coach and it just has always been about the impact. The other stuff has come after. So I think it's, yeah, partially my parents, but I think it's just something that, that just is. It's just how I see the world. Yeah. I, I love that explanation. I think it's really cool because when we talk, about like when we get to a point in the business where we can really start to make some more significant impacts or what we consider more significant. One of the things that we would love to do is similar to what you and Mike were able to do, right? Like help your, your dad retire or just give back to your family in general. And I feel like that's the full circle moment, right? You grow up yeah. having your parents providing for you. And if you're, if you're fortunate enough and blessed enough having a family that, like you said, your parents just figure it out. You were never wealthy, but they figured out how to make it work for you, get you nice things, get you new clothes, et cetera. And the same thing, that was how I was raised. It's pretty similar to how Ash was raised. And then to be able to get to a point where you can then return, I don't want to say return the favor, yeah. but get into a position where now you can provide for them. I would assume that's a feeling that you can never top. I mean, it had to be amazing when you handed your yeah. check. Yeah, you know, yeah, incredible. And it's not, it's not the money. Uh, the money allows opportunity. And so when people talk about, you know, money being bad or whatever, it's fine. I, it's, I disagree. I think money is great. And I think money allows for opportunity. So things like, yes, the money, I could write a check. The money means we can rent a big house and have both sides of the family come and spend, you know, Christmas together and everybody be there and we could fit the bill. And that's awesome. And that's part of our why as a couple as well as to be able to do those things. But the money also is we can, we can leave our home or our apartment for a couple of weeks fly across the country and stay with them for a couple of weeks and not be stressed that like we're in an Airbnb and end paying rent at the same time or airplane flights cost money or this, that, and the other. So for us, it's about the opportunity and the experiences that we can spend time with our family and friends and loved ones. And, you know, even right now toying with the idea of being kind of bi-coastal and having two homes, it's the money has allowed for the opportunity. The money has allowed for Mike to leave his job, which now means we are entrepreneurs together so we create our own schedule so we can just up and leave you know we're not tied down to a location we can go stay somewhere for a month and visit people and so it's been a beautiful gift and just one that i i um i have to give my brother a shout out to though for he he he's five years older than me and actually broke the mold and, and is an entrepreneur as well and watching him in his kind of freedom choices and his financials and his helping my parents and and all of that he's really paved the way yeah yeah that's awesome i love that you frame it that way because i think we feel the exact same way about money like we don't yeah. care if to have nice things honestly like if we can great but that doesn't yeah. make a difference in our quality of life and our fulfillment that we find so 
like you had mentioned, it just provides the opportunity to do those things that bring you joy, fill up your cup, that can help the people around you, that can help other communities of, of individuals that need the help. And so, uh, yeah, we have the exact same mindset and opinion there. So that's pretty awesome. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Ash, was there anything you wanted to add? I don't think so. I've just been taking it all in. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've been quiet. I just wanted to check on you over there. No, I just she's just, stuck on the pencils. I promise thing. Yeah. Still, yeah. Oh, still teary -eyed. we're gonna get off this call. She's because she loves <laughs> Africa as well. Yeah. Uh, oh. Because you did what? That's so I volunteered in Africa. Did my, you? After my freshman year of college, and that's actually one of the reasons we st like we started to follow you, and I was like oh my gosh, we need to work with them because no of, way. Yeah. Yeah. So I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's we, we obviously went through empower and we just kind of DM'd you and then just paid in full like that day, yeah. <laughs> but we didn't <laughs> need to, didn't need to be pass. sold. But, uh, when I watched the intro video, that's the first thing I said to her. I'm like, you're going to love this girl. Like yeah. she's Aww. literally like, there's there, Af Africa was in the welcome video, so I don't even need to try to sell you on the fact that this is worth the investment. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate you sharing your story. I think regardless of where you're at along this journey, especially if you're an entrepreneur, like you can relate to the things that we talked about today and the things that you've shared. So we really appreciate that for anyone who wants to learn more about you about empower or any of the programs that you offer, uh, where can they find you? How do they get a hold of you? Is there anything going on now that they should know about, et cetera? Yeah. Yeah. So best place to find me is Instagram. I am at jess.glazer, G-L-A-Z-E-R. Please, please DM me, say hi. Let me know you came from Derek and Ashley's podcast. We can start up a conversation there, but I love chatting with people. If you're ever interested in Empower, which we, shameless plug, are enrolling for right now, it's our 14th class that we're about to kick off which is pretty crazy uh that cohort kicks off october 25th that'll be our 14th round if you're interested in something like that you could just even dm me the word empower we could chat and get you information other coaching as well and then something cool that we do have going on which i think if this episode drops in time it will be yeah okay cool. it will drop in time it will yeah. drop in time so we have something really cool going on which you know going back to kind of the impact and the why we like to spoil people we love to spoil our team our friends so we're spoiling the team and we are flying them out to Scottsdale this weekend. And we're going into the most epic Airbnb together for a week. And what we're going to do is we're actually putting on a live four day training for you, your audience members. It's completely free, no strings attached. We are selling this in the future. So this will be thousands of dollars in the future. Currently it's free. And it's the three head coaches from Empower putting together this program, this free masterclass called Secrets of a Confident Coach. Now, this is for anyone, it doesn't matter if you're a coach or an entrepreneur, this is for anyone that wants to enhance their confidence level by just merely 1%. Having clarity around what you do and why you do it and how you speak and who you speak to, having the confidence to walk into a room of strangers, having the confidence to say yes to yourself, to make an investment, having the confidence to ask your boss for a meeting or a promotion. We're talking about communication. As you guys know, Andia is a licensed therapist and she will be teaching all about literally how to effectively communicate with loved ones, relationships, how to create safe containers. Brett is an optimization coach and high performer and motivational speaker. So he's going to be amping everybody up on the confidence approach of 
uh, imposter syndrome comparison, all that juicy stuff. And then I will be there as well, kind of wrangling the troops. So super excited about that. It's totally free, four days, starts October 12th, and will run until October 15th. Love it. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone that isn't familiar with Brett, Andy, Jess, they're incredible. You should definitely attend because it will be badass. We're actually talking yeah. to Brett later today. So, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, but, yeah, definitely take advantage of that. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but, yeah, just, just so grateful and thankful for the opportunity to chat. And, uh, yeah, we're just looking forward to continuing to build a relationship, to work alongside you. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you both. This was so much fun. And congrats again on 100 episodes. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or if you're here with us each and every week, Ash and I just want to take a moment to express our thanks and gratitude. We are so incredibly blessed to have your support and we could not continue to show up week in and week out if it were not for you. If you enjoy what you hear on this channel, please head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, leave a review in there as well. That is how we reach more people and change more lives through the platform. Lastly, if you don't follow us across all of our other social media accounts, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. Our handles are either ballistic.performance or ballistic performance across all of those platforms. Or you can check us out online at trainballistic.com. Again, we appreciate and love you so much, and we hope you have a fantastic week.